When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome everybody to Dragon Quest FM, where we talk about and obsess over Dragon Quest. I'm Austin. And I'm your new best friend. And you're not my new best friend, you're my old best friend. I'm their new best friend. You're my old Their new best friend? Their new best friend. Oh, okay. Alright, cool. Uh, And this week, we're going to be talking about Hendrik and Jasper in Dragon Quest XI, and symbolism in Dragon Quest XI. And this was a... Uh, Patreon request from uh, one of our newest patrons, Shelby, who asked us to uh, try to do an episode about symbolism in Dragon Quest XI, and they had some really good ideas, uh, especially about Hendrik and Jasper. We were like, hey, this could actually make like several interesting episodes uh, now that we think about it. And also, we realized yep. that we had never done an episode entirely dedicated to Hendrik and Jasper, which is weird. That we yeah, it really is yet. after all this time. Yeah, so we decided uh, to focus this one on symbolism in Dragon Quest XI, but really narrow it in to Hendrik and Jasper, and then move on uh, beyond that in future episodes. Um, so for those of you who maybe have not played Dragon Quest XI in quite a while, um, if you haven't played it at all, then huge spoiler alert. We're going to yes. be spoiling things, like uh, like major story spoilers are going to happen in this episode um but if you haven't played it in a while as you will remember uh hendrick and jasper are kind of like the i don't know dynamic duo under the king <laughs> um who are who, who are after the dark spawn and they're <laughs> like chasing after you know the luminary and then the luminary and eric and everything uh especially through earlier portions of dq11 uh they're kind of like the uh recurring antagonists i guess as yeah. how you would how you would put it for them they're kind of like the uh they're like the bigs and wedge almost <laughs> uh, yeah they they just keep showing up no matter what no matter where you go they're they're following you and they're there yeah and then of course uh one of the best twists i think in all of dragon quest 11 is that hendrick not only uh turns over to your side but also becomes a playable party member and yes. a really good playable party member. Um, he is so good. Like once he's there, it's hard to take him out of the party. Yeah. It, yeah, it really is. And um, you know, it's one of those things that they did such a great job of hiding and they still hide to this day mm-hmm. for the most part. Uh, you know, he's not, he's not on the cover anywhere. He's not even listed like in the, uh, in like the collector's edition art book and everything. He's not even listed as like a playable party member or anything like that. It's just like this huge secret. And one thing that I really appreciate too, about just like the dragon quest fandom in general is that people, I feel like do a really good job of keeping that a secret too. Like, especially for people who, who don't know yet and you'll see it less now. And I mean, to be fair, the game is four years old now, so it's understandable. Um, But especially there for like the first couple of years, 
it was kind of like uh, like you, you you didn't mention it because you didn't want to spoil it for anybody. Like you didn't dare mention that Hendrick was playable um, because you wanted other people to kind of get this huge surprise and get this huge reveal uh, themselves. Yeah, that's one of the things that in the game, like I had, I'm thinking back and I'm pretty sure that I got spoiled on him joining the party just by looking around and talking to you because I didn't really care that much about spoilers and you and I were talking. And, but when it happens in the game, the way that it's all put together and the way that the narrative works, it's definitely uh, one of the more entertaining and interesting parts of the game to me. Yeah. Um, it's like, I think you did get, I, th- I think you got spoiled, but I think it was your own. I think it was, you were asking me about it. It may have been. Because, yeah. Because I, I talked about like how there were some really big surprises in the main story and you were like, tell me. And I was like, are you sure dude, it's going to ruin stuff. And you're like, I don't <laughs> care. I want to know. <laughs> and that was, I believe before the, uh, before the switch version came out when I wanted to finish it. So I'd started it and then uh, pressed pause waiting on the switch version and uh, waiting on 11S. And so then I believe it was in that kind of gap between that. It was, yes. That's when it was. You had you had started it, and then you were like, I'm just going to wait until 11S comes out and beat it then. And in the interim, you just wanted me to spoil everything for you. And I, and I yeah. did for the most part. I don't think I told you everything. I think I intentionally uh, omitted some parts. But yeah, Hendrick, I think, was one thing that I did tell you about. Or maybe... Maybe whenever you watched me play it, even he was like in my party because I know that you, may have been what it was. I, I know you came over because we were up in Tennessee for the holidays, and uh, I know you came over whenever I was in the like post game stuff and was just uh, finishing up some like trophy cleanup. Because mm. uh, I was, yeah, I think so. Platinum it, and so I think you probably saw him in my party because I tended to keep him in my party rotation pretty regularly. I do have to say that Hendrick being that Hendrick being um, a playable character, he does have my favorite costume in the game. Uh, Hendrick as a clown is one of the most delightful designs in the entire game. It is wonderful. It's not a costume though. You can't. You don't get nope. it. You don't get to Mm-mm. keep it. You like, just have it during the the dumb scene. parade. For the wonderful parade, you dumb mean. parade. Oh, man, I cannot believe you don't like that parade. Something is wrong with you. <laughs> like, it's the most annoying part of the the game to me. But man, do love Hendrick as a clown. I can't man. believe they didn't let us have that as a costume though, because yeah, it's know. in there. I know it's like Hendrick and uh, and Rab too, both in the yep. little clown attire. It's just like why, why, why did you not let us have this? But you can get the the dumb peacock thing for the luminary. And it dances. My least, yeah, it's my least favorite one of all of them. And that's the one they let you have with uh, with a costume. And I'm just like, man, you dropped the ball, Square Enix. <laughs> um, so uh, anyway, BJ's terrible opinions <laughs> on the parade side. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, let's get into to some of the symbolism here. Now, Shelby went above and beyond and kind of uh, gave us a lot to work with here. And had clearly put a lot of thought into this and I don't want to just completely like ride off of what they were telling us. Um, but I do want to, I want to share some of this, um, that she sent to us because I think it, I think it's really interesting. Um, uh, one of the most 
Obvious examples, in my opinion, is the juxtaposition of light and dark when you first encounter Jasper and Hendrick. Hendrick is wearing a black suit of armor and Jasper is wearing a white one. And Jasper is also the first one to speak to you, which leaves the initial and very brief impression that Jasper would be the kinder of the two. Um, so I thought that was interesting. And yeah, I, I don't know that I ever clocked that Jasper was the first one that kind of speaks to you. I do mm-hmm. remember, I do remember, uh, seeing the, the, you know, white black, uh, armor sets yeah. and thinking that, thinking that it was possibly some misdirection because even from the get-go, I don't know, for me, like Jasper just always seemed like the wolves in sheep's clothing and Hendrick seemed like the the good guy who was just doing bad things because he didn't know any better right now. <laughs> yeah, like that was that was what he was doing. That was what he believed. That was uh, what he was told and ordered by his king. And uh, it's, uh, I always thought that Jasper was going to be, you know, continually be kind of a good character. And part of it is because he was softer spoken that the uh they they play him up to be the one that uh is going to be the uh, the bad guy by subverting the the uh expectation that you see the you know the knight in white shining armor is going to be the one that helps you out when in fact no and one of the things that that i mean most people are aware of you know the black suit of armor or the black hat meaning the bad guy and the white armor and uh white suit of armor or white hat all that uh goes into the uh the good side of things but uh i think more stuff is going to is starting to uh play against that in some way and this game entirely did especially we've talked about it before where the luminary is wearing purple and green which was traditionally the colors of the villains going in and people thought the dragon lord so he was going to be a villain going in or a bad guy uh somehow influenced by things like that uh so people were talking all about it before the release that uh, a lot of the colorization of this game and palette choices have been in order to try to trick the the player and the audience at least to begin with yeah and i think that's one thing that you really have to say about dragon quest 11 is that in regards to symbolism especially is that it really toys with those kinds of things like it it knows it knows what these things represent and then it will just like kind of turns it on its head it's like okay we know we know white you know represents pure and good and and the the black armor can represent you know evil and you know the villain but we're gonna we're gonna switch those and you know they totally knew what they were doing going in giving the luminary that design but also uh you know, letting you know that he's on the run, calling him Dark Spawn, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and you know, especially in the earliest parts of Dragon Quest Eleven, it's one of those things where it's kind of like um, the game doesn't tell you, like it doesn't just it doesn't flat mm-hmm. out tell you, like hey, you're you really are uh, a good guy, and it's something that you just kind of take for granted because you're playing you're playing you know the main character of a fantasy game, so you just kind of take yep. it for granted that hey, you are the good guy. But it really doesn't tell you right away where it almost no. kind of toys with that, too, where it's like, OK, well, maybe maybe Hendrick and Jasper are are right for chasing after you. Maybe they maybe you really are this, you know, dark spawn. 
And so, so I think, I think it does play with that kind of stuff in very interesting ways. And I think that the, uh, the Hendrick and Jasper dynamic, it's really interesting. And it's also kind of like the, this is a, you know, I realized this was made by a Japanese studio and this is a Chinese thing, but uh, the, the yin and yang kind of side of everything, like it very much looks like that just in that they're, they're very different. Um, but yet they, they really complement each other and they're almost like the, uh, like the Gemini kind of thing where it's like, they go hand in hand, right. they're very much like twins. And even in flashbacks, seeing them, you know, growing up and everything where it's like, it's very much seems brotherly rather than, you know, friendship. And it seems very much like him yeah. is the older brother, um, in that relationship. And so I think that's really interesting there. Um, between Hendrick and Jasper, but also, you know, how that ends up relating to uh, the Luminary and Hendrick in, in the like last half of the game, because it's like they, they kind of, those roles have switched. It's like now the, the yin and yang there is the Luminary and Hendrick instead of Jasper and Hendrick. And maybe Jasper is jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it was, and I can't remember, you, you will know this. I can't remember if it was 11S that added in all of the story that explained more of that, where uh, where it was explaining that uh, Jasper felt as though he were the the one being left behind, that he were being treated as less than. Um, was that in the original, or was that one of the additions, like the stories for the individual characters? No, um, um, no, the stuff with Jasper. Um, and like the backstory there, a lot of that was in the, uh, was in the original. Um, it's been so long since I've played the original and then, and everything that I'm trying to remember specifically, but, um, but yeah, I think, I think all or most of it was in the original because I definitely remember that being a thing where it's like, you saw that he's, he's lived his entire life in Hendrick's shadow. He's looked up to Hendrick. Then he feels like he's gotten, uh, you know, passed over. Uh, because of yeah. Hendrick, he feels like Hendrick, you know, slighted him uh, because of Hendrick getting promotions and Jasper kind of just, you know, hanging back from that. And then I feel like that's probably why he goes just full on, uh, <laughs> full on like uh, Nick Cage and face off <laughs> uh, crazy villain where he does he he just he loses it. And I think part of that might be because of, you know, Hendrick teaming up with the Luminary. It's kind of like uh, he sees his his friend. He always lived in this guy's shadow. And then he just, you know, is completely abandons him now and just kind of tosses him aside, at least from Jasper's uh, perspective. And so I think that I think that could be a, a big a big moment for Jasper. You know, it's kind of like the memes uh, now that people share where it's like, this is how I become the Joker. It um, is, yeah. This is how Jasper became the Joker. <laughs> it, it's true. It it really is. You know, speaking of the Joker, this is a complete side tangent. Have you yeah. seen that they're in uh, with the Joker, you know, the Folie X Do or whatever it's called? I, I can't say it. Folie Do? Yeah. Yeah, that uh, they uh, are in talks. Like, there's rumors that it's going to be Lady Gaga as Harley Quinn. Yeah, it's a musical. Yeah, Jennifer told me that last night. And uh, that... that uh, is just, of course it is. Whenever I saw that that was the sequel name, I mean, I assumed that it was going to be a Harley Quinn uh, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Because, um, you know, uh, Folly I do. So I was just like, yeah, that's got to be, um, you know, 
Harley Quinn. Like that's got to be who the other character is. Of course, um, yeah. Unless it's like Two Face and it's like a road trip movie. <laughs> it's just that would and we Two-Face. need a movable feast with Two Face and the Joker. Yeah, well, uh, it is. I mean, it was Todd Phillips, you know, and he wrote Due Date, the Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Uh, Zach Galifianakis road trip comedy. That would be fantastic. It's just that, but... except it's Two Face and Joker. Yeah, except now Todd Phillips is really pretentious and only makes serious cinema. Yeah. Um. So, but either yeah, way, I but I wanted you to know that I didn't know if you knew that Lady Gaga was the rumor for Harley Quinn. Yes. So, and you said Joker. Yeah. I did uh, know okay. that. Um, Good. You needed to. Cool. I like Lady Gaga. So I do sure. too. That's why I was like, that might actually be be good, but it's weird because yeah. it's like I never thought about her as Harley. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Maybe I'll yeah. watch it. I don't know. I can't remember <laughs> what this has to do. Oh, yeah. Jasper going full. You said joke. Jasper turning into the Joker. And so yeah. it uh, got me down that train of thought. Yeah. But ironically, it's Hendrick that dresses up like a clown. It's true. But dum 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 subversion. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so that's kind of one aspect uh, for it. And then uh, um, another thing that Shelby brought up is uh, related to their armor again is the uh, the gold suit of armor that Hendrick gets in the post game. Uh, which uh, she says goal has several symbolic meanings. And I think I, that that could apply to the special suit. Gold is a transition metal, which symbolizes spiritual flexibility, which relates in that Jasper spirit can be uh, argued to reside in the armor. Gold is highly valued and represents perfection. And that can be applied in that suit of armor has some of the best stats in the game. Gold is resistance is resistant to heat and acid, which translates symbolically to immutability, eternity, and perfection, symbolizing the eternal bond of friendship that Hendrick and Jasper share. And all of this tells me, A, this is all way too highbrow for us. But, <laughs> I mean, we were just making uh, Joker jokes. Um, true. But, yeah, that's that's like some really uh, clever insight there, I feel like. And totally things that I did not even, like, would have probably never thought of on my own. Um but I think that I think that is a good point, and it also I think can relate to uh, kind of Hendrick always being seen as this like golden boy. Yeah, uh, you know, is that it's uh, you know Hendrick. It, once you get this armor, you can make him your golden boy, <laughs> like literally <laughs> your golden boy. Um, and so I think that kind of uh, goes into into that a little bit as well. Is that Hendrick is is your golden boy? And you know um, the the idea that it represents the perfection being the highest. Uh, being the highest quality armor in the game, you know, some of the best stats uh, like that, that uh, the idea of when Hendrick finally accepts the luminary, like goes all in, that's kind of like his uh, apotheosis where he earns that, that uh, where he kind of transcends the uh, ability of where he was like making up for it, for what he had done before, where he finally crossed that uh, that kind of threshold to uh, be worthy of that kind of armor from what and that kind of uh, boost from uh, like doing true good as opposed to doing what he thought was good. Yeah, look at you using five dollar words. <laughs> I know, right? Where's my five bucks? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I could totally see that um, there as well, and I think that's I think that's one thing that like that not just Dragon Quest Eleven, but you see in a lot of fantasy, especially, is that is that high fantasy especially really toys with duality. Yeah. And Jasper Jasper Hendrick 
you know, you see that here, you see that with, uh, with Erdwin and, uh, what's his name? Mortigan. Isn't that his name? And you see that, you see that with, you know, the luminary Mortigan, you see that with even Veronica and Serena, uh, you know, being kind of like, uh, two halves of like a sage uh, at that point and everything where fantasy gets a lot of like talk for using like threes as the magic number Mm -hmm. threes magic. But, uh, but I think that, you know, twos duality and everything plays a big role in it too. And I think dragon quest 11, especially you see that a lot, like they're like almost everything kind of feels like it comes in pairs, even, even the party members you recruit, you know, you get like Veronica and Serena kind of, together and you get rab and jade kind of together and you have the luminary and eric uh you know together and then for a long time it's kind of like silvando by himself but then i feel like in a, in a lot of the in-game stuff especially with don rodrigo like they kind of yeah. pair up hendrick and silvando quite a bit yeah that's what i was gonna say they even at that point rectify it and kind of replace jasper uh not replace jasper like emotionally but kind of symbolically with Silvando because of the uh the story with Don Rodrigo and uh growing up together as knights and training where uh Silvando's kind of like a, a surrogate uh, replacement for uh Jasper in the partnership side of things not so much the emotional connection cuz like uh he's always going to love Jasper. I mean if you turned evil I would still love you even after I had to kill you, but <laughs> I, I would still love you. You it would you'd be like uh Obi Wan. Um, it's true. Cutting my legs off and watching me burn uh by the lava pool. It's true, except I would make sure I pushed you into the lava so you didn't come back as Darth Vader. Yeah, as you should. I, I don't Yeah, I mean that's I what you do. Yeah, it's like if you're fighting a dark lord of the Sith, you push him into the lava all the way. It's always like, why'd you just walk away, Obi Wan? You did all this. Yeah. Also, if he's your best friend, like maybe put him out of his misery. <laughs> it's true. And instead of sitting there, it's like if you chopped all of my limbs off and I was burning <laughs> to death, I would be like, just come on, man, you won. Yeah, like just just kill me at that point. Why are you, why are you leaving me here? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I would I would expect the same from you, sir. I'm glad yeah. I'm glad we can agree right. on this. I'm <laughs> glad we can, and that that we know that we both love the other afterwards. For those of you just joining us, we have made a murder <laughs> pact. <laughs> the best part is that it's not a murder suicide pact. It's just a murder. It's pact. just, it, it, it's, just a, it's like a fell safe in case one of us ever it, turns to evil. It's true. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, this is what you pay for, folks. <laughs> uh yeah but with, i think too i think one thing that people or at least you know people that i chat with uh dragon quest 11 about a lot of times is that people don't necessarily talk about really how sad the whole jasper and hendrick thing is is because yeah like you know i mean i'll admit jasper gets really obnoxious after a while and you know once you put him in your place it feels kind of good but, uh, you know, but it, it is really sad, especially once you, once you learn everything and once you see it to their past, once you have everything explained to you and understand about Jasper and Hendrick and, you know, yep. Hendrick does the line about how he couldn't have ever been great without Jasper and all that kind of stuff. And it's like this really like sad, you know, like brother moment. And I don't know. I feel like a lot of times because Jasper like turns so much into evil, like people don't 
talk enough about how really like sad it is. And yeah. that, you know, Hendrick, Hendrick did really, you know, love Jasper and is really sad when Jasper dies. And there's even a, you know, there's even a soldier who like leaves flowers on Jasper's like grave right there uh, inside the castle oh, yeah. after he's defeated and all who seems to be who, you know, Jasper was apparently nice to him and he looked up to Jasper and all of that where there's kind of yep. like this whole unexplored side to Jasper that we haven't, that you don't get to see very much of, but when you do, it really humanizes him. And, and that when you, you see it and it's super sad because of the, the reasons that he kind of shifted into uh, to evil, that uh, someone was looking at him the same way that kind of uh you know that kind of symbolism of that it could happen to anybody and that we don't actually know what we are to other people uh was also kind of uh paralleled in that because hendrick had no idea that was how we thought about him and just like jasper had no idea about that dude yeah that's true sad yeah sad times yeah. Like this whole thing is sad. Like the the entire storyline as you go through is really sad as you watch their friendship uh deteriorate as uh you know as he turns into the Joker as he goes like mad actually. Yeah, and and I think that's one thing another thing too is you know people talk about Dragon Quest uh having like these you know black and white divisions a lot of times between its heroes and its villains. And I think that's a valid criticism for, you know, main villains a lot of times, but I feel like Jasper right. is definitely one of those uh, fully formed, uh, you know, three-dimensional villains that that are rare. I mean, not just in Dragon Quest, but just rare kind of in gaming in general, where it's not just a cut and dry, like, oh, this is definitely a bad guy, where it's like, yeah, he's definitely a bad guy at this point. <laughs> like, yeah. but, but you see, like, it really does a good job of, of showing and telling you like what drove him to this where it's not yeah. it's not quite as just like you know dragon lord sitting in the throne room being like I'm, I'm here <laughs> i don't know why dragon lord sounds like waluigi but um but yeah but he does but <laughs> he does in my mind yeah i hope i hope if we ever get a a, a canon dragon lord voice that's what i hope that's what like. it is <laughs> <laughs> I, I would play that game. Yeah, absolutely. Like that, that would be your favorite Dragon Quest game for that reason alone. Yeah, it would definitely be my wife's favorite Dragon Quest game. Waluigi's like her favorite. Um, I do love Waluigi too. Like uh, he's one I always I pick if uh, he's available. Usually, yeah, I can't say always. Like there's a lot of times I'll go to Yoshi, but yeah, this is the one. That's Waluigi is what she picks in like you know uh, Mario Party, Mario Kart. Mm. Uh, any of that stuff not smash because he's not in smash and also we don't play smash but <laughs> but if he were she would if if you did and he were she would yeah that makes sense <laughs> <laughs> but yeah and so i feel like that even though uh like i, I think dragon quest 11 does a good job with jasper where i feel like just everything from jasper and hendrick like there's there's not really a weak link here like it's all handled very well from yeah. From just the misdirection it has to like the symbolism there with the characters to just how it changes both of their character arcs. You know, I mean, Hendrick has one of my favorite character arcs in Dragon Quest Eleven and in any video game, you know, where he's like, he's, he's a bad guy who's chasing you, 
but he's not really a bad guy. He's really just yeah. good and he's trying to do his duty. And then, you know, he realizes the error of his ways and just, you know, you meet up back with him and he's kind of got more of the like traditional, like Erdrick looking attire on and has become mm-hmm. the hero uh, of cobblestone and everything now. Uh, when you meet up with him as the luminary and then you guys kind of team up, but also like he doesn't trust you right away and, and you don't necessarily trust him right away. And there's kind of like a fun dynamic there initially between the luminary and Hendrick. And it's really well done because those are like the only two characters in your party uh, for a little right. bit right there. And so it's like, it's a cool way of letting uh, that relationship kind of get explored and, and have its time to shine. So I think that's, uh, I think all of that is really cool. Um, and, and one uh, thing that with that, like the idea of them coming together, all of it, and then him, you know, get them getting to know each other. Hendrick's actual base personality never really changes. Like he doesn't go through a shift from uh, like grumpy old man to nice uh, kind of, he, he doesn't go from the shift from, uh, uh, like crazy cranky old man to like Harry Potter, like number one Dumbledore, like uh, with Richard Harris. And uh, like, he never like changes that kind of uh, base personality, but the, uh, the direction of it is uh, just so well placed. Like the way that the personality goes when he's interacting with the luminary and then with Silvando, you can see it's still the same character. Like he doesn't ever feel like not the guy he was introduced in like the first 20 minutes of the game. That's true. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. He, he doesn't like he changes, but he doesn't change like uh, the right. Like he changes, but he grows. Yeah. It's not like he's still this very much like moral compass, uh, you know, straight edge. Uh, character he just had to find true north <laughs> uh <laughs> i knew i knew saying it would leave you like not sure where to go with that yeah I because you hate it i don't know where to go with it i do hate it i think uh, i i think that's a i think that's a good place to end on it's just that terrible <laughs> uh terrible yep. joke um we're gonna we're gonna look into this uh some more because dragon quest 11 is definitely one of those games that's full of of symbols and just kind of, uh, you know, just from characters to obviously, you know, like we discussed here, what they wear to just uh, s- literal symbols uh, that are in the game. So there's there's yeah. a lot of fun stuff to cover. Uh, but since Shelby used Hendrick and Jasper uh, as examples, and we realized that we had never done an episode dedicated to Hendrick and Jasper, we wanted to focus that one on on this week's episode. Which is still absolutely crazy within, like, uh, what is this, four seasons now that we've never just settled down on them? Yeah. I, we did an episode on Hendrick back whenever we did yeah. like, all the uh, playable characters. Char- mm-hmm. And so, you know, I haven't re-listened to that episode or anything, but I'm sure we talked about Jasper. I'm sure it came up. Uh, yeah, I'm but, sure that you can't, you can't talk about Hendrick without talking about Jasper. Yeah, but I don't think we've had a fully dedicated episode here to, to the two of them and, and yeah. kind of... Uh, looking at them as a whole as a whole yin and yang as the whole circle yeah Yeah. um so anyway thank you guys for listening and thank you shelby for the suggestion here uh remember you can talk to us on twitter at dragon quest fm you can also talk to us on patreon at patreon.com slash dragon quest fm and you can help support this podcast join our community and even get to tell us what you want to hear us talk about like shelby did uh if you want to talk to me Individually, you can find me on Twitter at Dragon Quaston. 
and you can find me on Twitter at Professor Beej. Uh, if you want to talk to both of us and lots of other people, you can join us on Discord at uh, discord.geektogeekmedia.com. And uh, yeah, uh, don't do that other podcast anymore uh, right now. So yeah, <laughs> listen to me here. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Bye, y'all. <laughs>